And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Doc Manson at Doc Manson, if you ever uh, decide you don't want to do the whole doctor thing anymore, you have a career as a private investigator. Thank you. Because you just solved the mystery that I, you know, I've just went, I was like, I'm going on a conspiracy theory and hold on, hold on, hold on. I think we need to think more about this instead of just coming out with it right now. I think we need to maybe build a little bit of hype for this. I don't know that I want <laughs> there to be hype for this. No? Like, I, I'm, I'm excited because we solved the mystery, but that will quickly be replaced by irritation <laughs> that this is once again something I have to worry about. Is it? Is it something that you have to worry about? I suppose it's not. I can find my happy. Uh, but yeah, a, a mystery has been solved, everyone. I know we're speaking in riddles here on DDT Wrestling. I am DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. <clears throat> we're, we're approaching episode 180. Uh, is that true? I think so. This is either 178 or 179. We never know, which is hilarious. It's true. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, that would require us to actually pay attention. Yeah. Huh. But, uh, oh, man, it's amazing what a quick Gmail search will will bring up. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's new, Doc? Not a whole heck of a lot. DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. Where are the ghost pepper chips? I thought you were going to eat one on the show. Uh, I threw those into the garbage can oh. the moment you left. That's not true. Uh, actually, <clears throat> Mrs. Manson brought them into work and left them out in the, um, the, the the break room in a bowl, just without the bag or anything like that. It's just they said nacho chips have one. <laughs> I'm lying, of course. She wasn't, I'm surprised she wasn't fired. Yeah, she did actually bring them to work, but she left them in the bag. And oh. I presume somebody ate them, but it wasn't me because, man. Well, let me ask you this question because I've, I've been to your lab. I've seen it around. Do you have a break room, lunch room area? We do not, no. Because I will say as someone like in a teacher's lounge, if you put food in there, I don't care what it is. It will get eaten. What if you left out a can of spam? I can think of one person I work with who would pocket it and take it home. Nice. I, there's so. nothing wrong with spam. I've had like I've heard what it's called, like a Hawaiian casserole or something. Like mm -hmm. it's like spam and rice mixed together. There's probably some other stuff in there, too. If but. you take a slice of spam and you pop it in a pan with some olive oil or some butter and you crisp that thing up. It's going to be edible. Somebody like it's going to be enjoyable. It's it's a fried meat product. Are you speaking from experience or just hypothetically? I honestly don't know if I've ever had spam. So perhaps there's like, you know, but I think of those like little Vienna sausages that look so gross. Like if you threw those in a pan with some yeah. onions and peppers, like somebody I would am, eat it. I've also never had spam. 
Well, no, that's not true. I guess I've had it in like a Hawaiian casserole, but I've never just like had a piece of spam. So I'm not 100 percent sure exactly what it's like. You understand you think... what we've just done, right? Oh, yeah. We're going to eat spam now. Um, but <laughs> do you think it's like bologna? Do you think it's like a bologna, but in block form? I, so in my head, that's what it is. I think it – yeah, I think it has to have a lunch meat sort of taste. I imagine it's probably – I looked up what a Spam tastes like. Um, I think it has to taste like ham and bologna kind of combined. A canned cooked pork. So it's just – so it's just like ultra-pasteurized yeah. pork in a can. I think, I think the issue is just the can and the fact that it takes the shape of the can. But – I eat cranberry sauce like that all the time. Like, I'm not opposed to food that happens to take the shape of its container. I mean, cranberry sauce that stays in the shape of the can is, in fact, the superior cranberry sauce. So uh, now. Now, if we take a slice of spam and then a slice of a canned cranberry sauce and put it on two pieces of bread, that is going to be a tasty sandwich. Is it? I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, stay tuned for the next live DDT episode <laughs> where we'll have a taste test. DC I'm sure is it will happen. I'm sure it will happen. Uh, so the ghost pepper chip, I'm, I'm sitting at home. It's a Saturday afternoon. I keep forgetting that the, there is a takeover that evening. And my phone goes off and there is a text from one Doc Manson and he says, hey, GQ is coming over. You actually said GQ. I like the fact that we now just – our friendship is so solely based in the podcast world that we just use the names. Well, um, in fairness, GQ is way easier to type. That's true. That's Giuseppe. Giuseppe's not a great name to – No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, GQ is coming over to watch TakeOver. You're welcome to come. And – Whenever you extend that olive branch to me, it it fills my heart with such joy that I, of course, ran out to the store and bought $40 worth of food to bring over. Um, <laughs> we realized at some point we we're looking at everything that you brought and we we're like, man, this guy spent $50 at the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> this is how much I, I I'm an antisocial person, but I'm desperate to be loved. So, you know, I brought and I and I was like, all right, I know we're gluten free. I know we're mostly dairy free. So I brought some wrapped, you know, some prosciutto and some soprasada wrapped in cheese. Of course, you know, I brought some Oreos because you got to have Oreos. I ate it was those. good. Those, I uh, yeah, I almost bought more and was like, I should just take these for lunch. Like, I would be a good like, <laughs> I mean, um, I guess. Unfortunately, it's all fatty meat, but That's true. Uh, and then I went to the chip, the gluten free chip aisle in my local Mega Mart, and I was like, "All right, uh, some vegan cheddar crisps. These look good." And I'm scanning, looking for a flavor that jumps out at me, and I see ghost pepper. And I went, "Well, I have to buy this." You know, I know Doc likes spicy foods. Let me get a ghost pepper chip. He ate one, and I turn it over to Doc Manson to continue the story. It was hot. I I, yeah. uh, I did not eat a second chip. <laughs> Mrs. Yeah. Manson, to her credit, broke off the corner of a chip and tried it afterwards. She also did not care for it. Um, in fairness, I do like spicy foods, but the, the the days of me eating things that hot are are well well behind me. 
Yeah. Now I like something with a little bit of spicy tang to it, but okay. I, I, I got nothing left to prove. There was a a wing place in our college area, and I do remember they had some sort of five alarm. I don't remember what it was called, <clears throat> but I, did you ever have the spiciest wing from there? I think I did. Yes. I feel like you would have had to back. Yeah. In the, back when you're in college, you are invulnerable, or at least you try to feel like you're invulnerable. So you're, you're like, young. I'm going to eat these spicy wings. I'm going to go to Mc, I'm going to go to McDonald's and order ten sandwiches to eat between two. Oh, one. The that? McDonald's dollar menu oh, was so good. It was such a thing back then, because now you can't go buy anything for a dollar there. They still have a value menu. Yeah, but it's but not a dollar menu anymore. No, I mean, we used to go and would spend $5, and you could legitimately walk away with five sandwiches. I mean, plus yeah. tax. But two, yeah. I used to get two double cheeseburgers and three McChicken sandwiches, and I would call that a meal. I feel like you also got a filet of fish at one point. It was like two, two, and one, but uh, I might be wrong. I don't think so. I, oh. I might. I may have occasionally bought a fillet of fish, typically during Lent when my Catholic guilt got the best of me. Um, but I, I doubt I would have mixed it the two, two, and one. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Occasionally, I'll be talking to my wife, and I'll bring up that, and she just pats me on the head in this. I'm glad you're with me right now, because <clears throat> yeah, because yeah, five sandwiches as a meal, perfectly acceptable. Oh yeah. I wasn't having any fries, so uh, exactly. It evens <clears throat> out. So, uh, so we, we watched Takeover. Yeah, we did. I actually what? watched most of it. Again, the amazing part about a pay per view that's guaranteed to be two and a half to three hours. Yeah, I mean that's absolutely true. And I will say though, even by the end of Takeover, I was like, okay, this is a little long. I think the problem and and. I know some people feel differently. I've had conversations with them. Somebody backstage, I think it's Shawn Michaels, is like, look, I want to have as many false finishes as possible. I want you to kick out of everything. Like, you know, we began with... There was a couple of combinations and Roderick Strong, Matt Riddle... That that was what I was just going to bring up. ...should have ended any match... Yeah, but and the people they just kept kicking out to the point where it was like, okay, just end, please. I I noticed this for the first time with Gargano and Ciampa. Every one of their matches were great and should have been ten to twelve minutes shorter. Yeah, and then when I'm when we're watching the opening match and it's Riddle versus Strong, and I'm not wild about either of them, but they're both good. I enjoy their in ring work. I'm like, oh no, this is gonna be. That kind of night where like every and thankfully the ladder match was great. I really yeah. enjoyed that. I didn't re- I don't remember there being a lot of kickouts in Breeze versus Dream. Mm, I, yeah, I can't really recall. I feel like there were some, but yeah, I mean, there now, was some full disclosure. I left before the main event and I drove all the way home 20 ish minutes and I still watched 10 minutes of kickouts before I'll be honest and like I don't necessarily mean this in a pure negative way because I do think that Gargano and Cole had a good match but if that show had ended before the main event that would have been the right length for a show yeah 
like that entire match i was completely almost i don't know if it's just because you left maybe that was it but i was definitely checked out by that point of the show i you know you think and about again, like it was a good show i'm not complaining about anything that took place on the show yeah you know but it's just one of those you know you wind up watching um you know you've been watching a lot of horror movies i imagine 90 minutes to two hours like i can't imagine a horror movie lasts much longer than that maybe there are um, some yeah some last longer and you know i've been real into the revival of joe bob briggs on shutter and with his interruptions where he talks about the films each of those films ends up being a little bit north of two hours but it's it's not quite the same right because it's that interruption yeah some dialogue some information it's not just straight two hours of horror film, if our certainly. if our truth had come out at some point and defended the 24 7 title it might have been different yeah that would have been acceptable <laughs> uh congratulations to uh our once and hopefully future champion, uh, Jinder Mahal. He won the 24-7 title on a golf course and then lost it on the same golf course. Uh, but I heard good. Elias it, also won it at some point. Yeah, and got pinned under the ring. And they had cameras under the ring so you could see the action. Mm. So our uh, truth four-time 24-7 champion. Yeah. And he's he. It's a lot of work. It's much more than just twenty four hours and seven minutes. It's it's a lot. It just of work. keeps going. Yeah. I, yeah. I am. Um, like I do think that our truth is killing it with the twenty four seven belt. Um, I think it's very good. It's exciting right now. But I am still overall. I still have the same concerns I had when they debuted the title, in that this is clearly just a joke. And while that is you know, refreshing right now. It's leading to some good quality comedic wrestling. Um, I just don't know how long that can go on for. Excuse me. Correction. Correction. Uh, I could watch it pretty much forever. It's my favorite part of the show as long as they keep it fresh. But I think, again, the issue is they tend to lose interest in comedy acts. I think the fashion files is a great example, right? They were way into it. They filmed multiple weeks of vignettes. They kept popping up. They had that fantastic match against the Usos, but then they just kind of tapered off into nothing, and it felt like, okay, I got super invested into this, and now it's just gone. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm enjoying it while it's lasting. I feel the same way about Firefly Funhouse. Did you watch this week's episode of Firefly Funhouse? I did. It was great. I love the paper mache devil VKM character. That's uh He has a pig named Husky. Yes. Husky. He's 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 essentially doing Bullfit, which uh, anyone who's an old school fan of DC Matthews knows Bull Dempsey was one of my first favorite wrestlers coming back into wrestling back in 2014, 2015. So I'm loving all of this. And, you know, yeah, I'm not sure where either of it's going to go. I'm not sure how Bray Wyatt turns this into a serious run uh, towards any sort of title. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's just never going to wrestle for a championship again. And I'm okay with that. Maybe this 24-7 belt disappears for a while, but then somebody finds it in a trash can and we get another couple weeks of it. I, 
I'm really okay with just enjoying it now for what That's it is. That's fair. That's fair. And, you know, um, their strategy does seem to be working. The, rati- the ratings have rebounded a bit. So having the 24-7 title, having mm-hmm. the wire- wild card rule, having Brock Lesnar yeah. as an advertised attraction and showing up on Raw four weeks in a row, it's working. People are tuning back in, so... I don't think it has anything to do with the show happening on Friday that I have no strong desire to talk about unless you'd like to. There's a show on Friday? Yeah. They're going to Saudi Arabia again. Ah, gotcha. Right, I knew that. We talked about that at TakeOver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's that. I don't think the ratings rebounded because Goldberg and The Undertaker had a face-off. I think it rebounded because there's... There's, you know, there's must-see stuff. Even if you do it on YouTube, you got to figure out what our truth is doing. Hopefully, you have an interest in Firefly Funhouse. Maybe you want to see if Brock's going to dance with the boombox again. But you might have interest in the Roman Reigns, Shane McMahon storyline. I I had no idea that was a storyline. Yeah. Roman's feuding with Shane. I think they're fighting at Saudi Arabia. I don't know the card. I know like two matches on the card and I'm I choosing... know it's Goldberg versus Taker. Yeah. And the only other match that I know for sure is Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley. And they had an arm wrestling contest on Raw. I was like, nice. oh, my God. I know that it's going to be Triple H versus Randy Orton. Oh, yeah. So, all right. But either way, I still don't. I... What are the women's champions doing? What are they doing on this show? Uh, staying backstage. Huh. You think they'd bother believe, flying I, them over? Uh, there was there was all this talk because Natty and Renee posted a picture, but I'm like, Renee's your one of your main announcers, and uh, Natalia is married to one of your backstage agents. So just because they're, and I'm like, it's not like Natalia is going to wrestle Renee Young. No. No. Renee's probably and, meeting up with her husband and new New Japan United States champion, John Moxley. Is that the name of that championship? Yes, it is the New Japan Pro Wrestling United States Championship. I'm like, all right. All right, Dean. You, you left WWE. You had some great videos. You made us show up. You won the United States title, which is the same title you had in WWE. Yep, but... This time he's having fun. He was wearing wrestling shoes and tights, and I did not know what to do. I was like, <laughs> "Who? Who are you? <clears throat> what is, what is yeah. this?" So I, I'm happy for him. It brought yeah. a lot of eyes to New Japan and the end of the Best of the Super Junior tournament. So good for them. It's interesting too to see that there is some sort of working relationship between AEW and New Japan. Um, as I had assumed that some of that had gone south, given all of the talent that has sort of, you know, left New Japan to start AEW. Um, mm. I have to imagine that's a, it's only a matter of time, you know, before we get some sort of New Japan AEW crossover show. And yeah, but. seems like it. Um, one of the other things we talked about while at TakeOver was you went and actually saw a movie, which is not something that Doc Manson does very often. Uh, the last movie I saw, can you guess what it was? 
In the theater, I mean. I would imagine it's some sort of horror movie, unless you Correct. literally went Godzilla to Godzilla. No, because the last Godzilla was 2016. Oh, it. Saw it. That would be True. the last. But that that was even that wasn't last year. Now that was a couple years ago. Now, oh. um, last year in October, I saw the new Halloween movie. But that's the last time I was at the theater. What do you think of the luxury loungers? Um, I think that they're very comfortable. I like being able to recline. I think the heated portion of them is overkill and unnecessary. Uh, I do not care for the large separation between seats so that you're unable to get close to your your uh, cuddle buddy in the theater. And I also I hate those slop trays that swing in front of you. Like I sat down and I swung that tray in front of me and I was like, Jesus, Wally has come true. I'm, I'm reclining. Like I'm on those hover things. And it's just a tray of food in my freaking face. Now, admittedly, I didn't have any food to put on the tray, but it, it literally is. It's right there. It's above your stomach. It's like at your nipples. It's so high up on you. The tray is like just, it's just like you're supposed to be shoveling food in your face and it's so it's so high up that it doesn't matter if you swing it in in front of you or if you swing it straight out because you can't like tuck it away like like a desk at a college it's always right there no matter where you put it it is in your field of view the entire time you're watching the movie and i freaking hated that i was like i just wanted to i just want to rip this thing off of its hinge and throw it in the garbage but they must have anticipated that because it seemed very sturdy I mean, it has to hold all that food for you to <clears throat> shove into your fucking face, right? Yeah. You can hold popcorn and a soda and nachos and a hot dog and pizza and ice cream. Honestly, just like the naked <clears throat> ambition on display. Them, this, that tray right there with that, with that, you know, that, that placement. It was just like, it's so the, the theater just being like, hey, hey. Buy some food, fatty. Put in your damn mouth. Give us the some money and eat the food. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't like it at all. I didn't. The I didn't next thing we're gonna get all. is conveyor belts. Yes. So you just order the food on your phone and it is delivered. Now I've been to theaters where you sit at essentially a bar and you order food and it is delivered to you during the movie. Which is fine, because it's just combining a movie theater with a restaurant. Sure. And for a while, at our place, they used to have, you know, attendants carts. that would come in. Not just with carts, but sometimes they would just come up the aisle with a pad, and they would write down your order, take it out to concessions, and come back and deliver it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but they stopped doing that. That was a long time ago now, probably. We were probably yeah. in college when they were doing that. I remember but. the carts. I remember they would bring out the, like, cart, and it had some popcorn, and it had candy and drinks, and... Yeah, I don't know. I didn't care for that much at all. But and well, like I said, you, the thing that really gets me is there was nowhere to put that tray that was not in your field of view while watching the movie. Like it was distracting to the experience, the primary experience of why I'm there, which is to lose myself in this escapist yeah. uh, medium and watch a freaking movie about giant monsters doing <clears throat> battle. Like, I, I don't know. It just and, rubbed me the wrong to be way. Fair, you know, I've talked to to the woman that cuts my hair and she talks about taking her kids to the movie and it's not something they do very often. So when they do, 
they order all the snacks, they load up that tray, and that's part of the experience. You lose yourself in this, I'm going to eat all this food I probably don't eat on the regular and watch a movie. So, I guess so. They should have seats that don't have trays. They, I don't care you know, for it. I wonder if there are spots that don't. Maybe if you go up to the front to like the seats next to like the handicap seating, they probably don't have trays. But their 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 chairs might not recline. I got into one of those seats and I was like, I will see almost any movie in one of these seats. The seat was quite comfortable when it was reclined. I will give it that. Yeah, I enjoy the extra leg room because being a larger gentleman, getting up to go to the bathroom in the middle of a Honestly, movie and having to pardon me, pardon me, pardon me through is. I still feel like we peaked with the when they first started converting to stadium style seating. And so it wasn't just the little dippy flippy chairs, but it was actually stadium style where, it, where there was an incline, major incline to the seating area. And then they they, they replaced all the small chairs with the first time with those larger chairs that came up, you know, over the shoulder, there was a headrest built in. I feel like those chairs, because those you could lean back in a bit. They weren't full recliners, but there was some motion to them. They were larger. They had the headrest. I feel like that was where we peaked in terms of movie theater seating technology. After that, all this other stuff, it's just getting to be too much. I, we're, I don't we're, know. we're a few years away from just couches. Yeah. And in fact, I think they do have somebody said this. I didn't see them, but I was complaining to someone else. And apparently there are couples seats. So I was saying how there's that armrest between people. Apparently there's ones that are just like a love seat where it's a space for two people without the armrest between it at all. So I figure that's probably where you want to go to get nasty. That's where I want to go. That's where Destra Claire wants to go. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> but yeah, Godzilla was pretty good. Uh, the it. giant monster action was fantastic. But the entire human side of that story, I thought, was <laughs> not good. It was, Would you have been okay with a movie that had no humans in it? It was just giant monsters for two hours? I mean, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I do think the best giant monster movies are the ones with a strong human story. So I, I do feel like to, for, for those movies to actually be good, you have to be invested in some sort of human element. And so this one, again, was probably the best giant monster action ever committed to film, ever. But the human side that was supposed to make me care about any of it, I think, was fell a little flat. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't very good. Who is your favorite... Was Godzilla your favorite monster, or did you have another favorite monster? Duh. I'm just asking. He is the king of the monsters for a reason. All right. Godzilla rules. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you and I'm glad you enjoyed that part. Really? Yeah. Like, yes. I, of course, I wanted you to enjoy all of it, but I wanted you to be like, yes, monsters beating up monsters. Are we setting up to Kong versus Godzilla? Have that yes. happened and I missed it? It's already announced Godzilla versus Kong, and I believe it's releasing next year. So it's probably already filmed or filming. Uh, so, yeah, that's exciting. I guess so. Except, I mean, our friend GQ will disagree, but King Kong sucks. I, I He's an overgrown ape. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing cool about Kong, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, in fact, in the in these new movies, they've had to make him, you know, 
hundreds of times bigger just to be even on the same scale as Godzilla to even have a fighting chance. And frankly, a giant, a giant ape, an ape that size, just it doesn't make any sense. DC it doesn't make any sense. There's nothing scientific about that. A, a, a giant dinosaur makes a, a certain degree of sense. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, reptiles and birds, their lighter bone density, they're able to grow to larger sizes without crushing under their own weight. That's how we had dinosaurs that were so big. But a mammal, a mammal with our our dense bones, a gorilla, could never be that large. It just it doesn't make any sense. DC. That's just. That's just, there's, there's no part of any sort of suspension of disbelief that will let an ape get to be that size. It, it's, it's ridiculous, and, and it, it insults my intelligence. That's what I say about King Kong. Okay. What about the ape from Rampage? Did you see Rampage? I didn't see it. But as far as I know, he wasn't that big, so. That's true. <clears throat> was there a monster in the movie that you were missing besides Jet Jaguar, who probably is not a monster? Not a monster. Um, I won't say there was anyone in particular that I was missing. Um, there are plenty of monsters that I like that did not appear in this film, but they're sort of specialty monsters that you can't expect just to show up. You so, know what I mean? So if you could replay this at all right, look, we won't do Kong. You're right. Scientifically, you have scientifically you have bested us. I don't know what what we were thinking. Clearly, the that electric the best dinosaur argument, will isn't fight it? someone else. Let's pull the science into this ridiculous movie series about giant radioactive monsters fighting each other. Yeah, that's good. What, what is your dream? What would who or what would Godzilla fight in your dream matchup? Uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't really have a good answer to that. It's probably the Megazord. No, I mean, honestly, his greatest opponent is probably the one that they did in this film, King Ghidorah. So, like, I, I think that is a good choice, a really good choice. Um, I mean, but I mean, if I'm gonna go crazy, I guess it would be cool to see like Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. You know, they ha they have been doing a. You know, the human element to the, the series of films with the monarch uh, branch of the government, you know, like I could see them building a giant mech to fight off Godzilla or, you know, do the alien aspect. because That's what Mecha Godzilla originally was. But, you know, so like, I mean, something like that could be cool, especially with modern special effects. Uh, but in, in fairness, though, in my dreams, uh, in my dreams, Godzilla probably isn't facing other monsters. Um, my favorite Godzilla films are always the ones where Godzilla's evil and he's usually facing off against mankind. So against an, the army or something like that. Those are always my favorite Godzilla films. These ones that paint him as more of a, a superhero or, or something like that. I've never there. I like them. Don't get me wrong. These American films have been good, but that's not the type of Godzilla film that I, I love most. So, so. if there was just a video, Godzilla destroys the earth. Yeah. Or God, Godzilla versus humans. Yeah, that's always been my favorite story. So, and in the end, he's just sitting on like the charred husk of Manhattan, and yeah, everybody's dead. Absolutely. 
and he jumps off to Mars. But I actually do think that they should. I mean, the original Godzilla film was a horror movie. You know what I mean? And I would actually really like to see, with modern filmmaking sensibilities and special effects, a return to that tone. Like, he is a sea monster. He's giant. He's radioactive. Like, yes, he's stomping Tokyo, right? But, like, even in these films, you see him. Like, he's just walking through the city. I want there to be more... And this is going to, again, it sounds weird, but I want there to be more realism. You know what I mean? Like, when he steps on a city street... The infrastructure would never support something that large. You know what I mean? Every step he takes, he should be leaving a crater in the road. You know what I mean? He should be sinking through and destroying. There should be so much collateral damage just from where he's walking. And honestly, like the amount of human life that would just be lost. And again, in a collateral fashion is something they never show in any of these films that treat him as a superhero. But he's fighting these monsters. He's going down the streets. Buildings are falling down. Think of how many people are in that rubble you know what i mean like that is a horrible idea that they don't show in these movies but based off of the size and the action and what's just happening tangentially like that those are very real consequences that they could be tapping into in a more horrific manner And again, you also consider that he's like he's radioactive, like you should not be able to get close to him. Like if he passed down the street, even if he didn't fall on you, even if the building didn't fall on you, your skin should slough off because of the high degree of radioactivity coming off of his body. Like there is a real opportunity for some serious body horror bullshit that would all be consistent with the original film like that shit happens in the original film you see just hundreds of people in these medical wards suffering from radiation burns and that's the sort of thing that i really wish they would go back to make it a dark film make it rated r make it disgusting and gory like i actually again to me that is my ultimate Godzilla film. It'll never get made because it's not a mainstream film. Nobody, they can't market that as a as a fun, you know, summer blockbuster that you can take the kids to go see. But that is where Godzilla started. And that is, I would just, I would, again, I would just love to see that with modern filmmaking techniques and effects. I just think that could be such a, a, a powerful and horrific film. Uh, I don't know. And then the healing power comes... Oh, shut From up. the giant gorilla <laughs> who has healing powers. That would probably be Mothra. Mothra ruins everything. Godzilla versus Wolverine, who can heal from all of these things. Uh-huh. It's interesting to me. Like, again, the scientist in you is talking about all of the collateral damage. And I'm like, so you want a movie that is solely based in realism Except for Godzilla himself. Yes. <laughs> but again, it's just not that it's realistic, but I think you could play up those angles to make it much more horrific. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like I, a helicopter I just... is like flying over Iowa and you just see my, hundreds of miles of cornfields that just have giant Godzilla prints into the earth. There's a um, a much later film. I want to say it's early 2000s 2003 or something like that called uh, Godzilla Mothra King Ghidorah giant all-out monsters attack it's a bad translation I'll give it to you but it's a Japanese film and they uh, they go more mystical with the monsters 
Um, and in that film, it's going to sound weird to describe it, but I, I've always really liked this film. In that film, Godzilla is like a physical embodiment of all of the souls that died during World War II. Oh. And he's like this emotional, physical, again, manifestation of that. And it, again, it's more mystical, but I've always really liked that idea. And anyways, there's some good imagery in that film because there's at one point, you know, He's 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 stomping down Tokyo. He's he's pure evil in this film. And you see him. He he starts powering up for the atomic breath attack and it switches over to it's just a a, a classroom full of school children. And like then you pull out further from the city and you don't actually see the atomic breath go off. It's just a mushroom cloud. And just again, like there's a lot of that sort of imagery that's all tied up in the origins of what that character really is. And then again, having him be that mystical, but physical manifestation is in some ways very, you know, in tune with what that original film was a different spin on it, maybe. And again, I just, I've always just liked those ideas. Um, in a world where bright burn can be a thing, Right. They, you know, you can have this, like, I'm telling you, you're passionate enough. You start writing the treatment. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think I think there's something there. There's definitely some interest, I would say. Definitely would be interest in that sort of thing. Um, anything else before we go to our emails? We're recording a day early, uh, so I'm not sure we'll have as many emails, but we've got some from the usual bunch, some old school usual bunch. Yes. Yeah. Uh, our first email podcast at ddtwrestling.com. It comes from uh, Simon. Greetings from sunny Manchester. England versus Pakistan is a game on a knife edge in the Cricket World Cup. I won't bother you with the score, but England required 99 from 65 deliveries. I could have said balls, but I chose to take the higher ground with deliveries. I'm going to pause right here. What I'd like you to do, without looking it up, uh -huh. please explain to me, as you know it, how the game of cricket is played. <laughs> I have no idea. You have I was about to start explaining something about sticky wickets, but I realized that was croquet, which is a totally different thing. So I'm just going to come out and say it. <clears throat> I'm I have... pretty sure there is a wicket, actually, in cricket. Yeah? I, I, so. I, I have no idea what right. the rules so of cricket here are. Is, here is, I apologize to every person ever uh, born. Um, As you there should. Are there are two teams. Um, there are fielders and there is a batter and there is a hurler. I don't believe it's called a pitcher. Um, the, the bat is obviously different sized. And there is a wicket of three pegs, I believe, that the batter stands in front of, and the hurler throws the ball, and the hitter has to hit the ball, and it can go anywhere, including, I think, even behind him, and then they run back and forth uh, between the two bases. I think there's only two bases, um, and that's about all I know. So somebody, maybe it's Simon, maybe it's Glenn, uh, somebody needs to educate us. Not a lot, because clearly... Factor in how much we care. And I mean, we, we could go to Wikipedia. No. No. Some, no. 
No. You know, if somebody needs to just email us, let me know how right I was. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong about some things, but I think I have some of this right. Uh, Simon's email continues. Life is very, very good. I hope both of you and all the DDT community 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 the DDT community to tea equally as happy in life. Until next time, I have been and always shall be me. Much love, Simon. Our next email comes from Mitchell. More Moxley shenanigans. So I know the hot topic of last week was John Moxley on Talk is Jericho, but I have not heard as much chatter about his appearance on Wade Keller's podcast. Understandable, once the champagne has been popped, there's not as much fanfare the second time around, especially if they're both within a week of each other. But there's one part of the Wade Keller podcast that was more fleshed out than it was on Jericho's that I found especially intriguing. For years, we've heard WWE veterans say that the talent these days are too afraid of getting fired or betting on themselves, and this is why we have a watered-down product. If a wrestler would just do in their gut what they know is right, and be willing to own that whether it succeeds or flops, we would have more bona fide stars. In the Jericho podcast, Moxley said he took issue with that, because he's never been afraid of getting fired. But if he pitches an idea and it gets shot down, he goes with what the boss man says, and that's what he's paid to do, which sheds some light on the subject, but doesn't necessarily disprove the sentiment from the veterans. He still technically did not go intentionally off script, owning what he knew was best. However, in the Keller podcast, he talked about how he's gone off script before, and the issue isn't that talent are afraid of getting fired, especially since they're usually not fired, just lectured. The issue is that sometimes these incidents lead to producers or creative writers taking the heat, and sometimes even getting fired, and he doesn't want to be responsible for that. I found this fascinating because it challenged the blame that older stars have put on the talent in a feasible, believable way. But of course, there are always two sides to every story. False, Mitchell, there are more than two sides. I apologize for the long email, but part of what I love about writing into the show is that it's a chance to flesh out my thoughts in a way that I can't on Twitter. What are your all thoughts on all of this from T.C. Clockworth? I mean, I guess I would say that it doesn't matter why they're not going off script. I mean, whether they're fearing for their own job or somebody else's, they're still making a choice to either follow what the boss says or to go off script. So I don't think it makes the veterans' criticisms any less valid just because, you know, in this case— Moxley is being more considerate of someone else's job than his own. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I still feel like it doesn't actually have any effect on what the veterans are saying. I also don't think what the veterans are saying is true anymore. I don't think you can take the brass ring and run with it anymore. But that's also not really what we're talking about. I don't know. It's interesting. It's one of those things like you go off script a little bit and they're probably okay with it. I don't think anyone's there, you know, taking a running record of what you're saying and matching it to to the script on the page. But, it, you know, it's, it's not like guys are going to be able to totally change a facet of their character 
you know, our truth can't suddenly really understand what the 24 seven title is all about. He's got to continue to play the oblivious role. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's a strange thing. How WWE works is a strange, is a strange beast because it has to be so many different things to so many different people. And it's really hard to get anything, um, done, especially when you've got however many wrestlers on that main roster who all would love a chance at the spotlight. And, you know, I know five hours is a lot of time on television, but not for 80 people. So, right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's always weird to hear somebody talk about what things were like, you know, even though he was just there, like, you know, he's already looking at it in hindsight. So, all right. Our next email comes from our good buddy, Glenn. Good evening, guys. As I said in last week's email, I went to a local wrestling show last Thursday. It was a very enjoyable show with LDN, the UK promotion, taking on wrestlers from Wrestling Magic, the US promotion managed by a great heel manager and owner of Magic, Stephen, Stephen, J. Higgins. The reason I say the future's bright is not only that the venue was full of young wrestling fans learning that a good show involves cheering the good guys and booing the baddies, but also a very talented young American tag team called Insanely Rude. Zane Bernardo and the lad that was my VPP, MVP of the night, RJ Rude, who not only was part of a very entertaining tag match, but also after quick eliminations of the face team in the five-on-five five main event, start against four members of the heel team. Eventually, the LDN champion fighting injury came, saved LRJ, cleared the ring, winning the match to the great delight of the young audience and sending everyone home happy. One last thing, walking home from work, I pass a pub with a kiddie play area in the garden. There was a young lad of about five with a large teddy bear, which he proceeded to powerbomb to the floor. He then dropped an elbow on it and covered it, his, and, and covered it. His younger brother ran over and counted to three. As I said, I think despite wrestling, Twitter, the future is bright. Thanks for putting up with this longer than normal email, Glenn. Glenn, you, f- you stopped using punctuation partway through this message, and it made it much more difficult to read. Um, Anyways. When you were a kid, you watched wrestling as a kid. I'm assuming your brother also watched wrestling as a kid. Yeah. Did you wrestle each other? Did you wrestle like those little Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior buddy things that were all no, the rage? Not really. I played with action figures, but that was that was about it. I remember sitting on the floor of my grandmother's living room and giving suplexes and power bombs and things to pillows. I saved all that for my college girlfriend. Okay. Yeah, that's true. You did. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I think about it, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I do agree. I I think the future is bright regardless of how negative wrestling Twitter can be. Uh, It may not come across, but I have consciously tried to be on Twitter less this week. Huh. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not watching wrestling all night and posting about it. I'm not. It's funny you know. that you you say you're consciously on Twitter less. 
I couldn't be on Twitter any less, and I don't even think about it. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, it was, it's that, like, I got back into reading, which may be part of the piece of positivity. I haven't decided yet. So, uh, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think wrestling is, is in a good spot, despite what people might say. All right. Dexter Claire. How do you want to handle this? Dexter I think Claire, you should read the subject and I'll read the body of the message. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, this email from Dexter. Oh, God. It is uh, cute hijabi tings slash. In case anyone outside is listening, I'm reading the subject line of an email. Uh, Arabian lap dance. Yo! After all the controversy around Crown Jewel, what would it take for WWE to stop going to Saudi Arabia? And that is from D. Dexter Eclair. Um, I love Eclairs. They are so tasty. They are. I was at the grocery store the other day, and it was a Sunday morning, and I hadn't had breakfast, and I really should stop going to the grocery store in the mornings without having breakfast because they had in the bakery section like the five pack of eclairs and I was really like I could probably eat five of those for breakfast I didn't I, I, I didn't I went home and ate at home but uh-huh. there, there was a 30 second period where I was like you know I could eat this and no one would ever be the wiser and I certainly wouldn't be a fatty eating eclairs in the parking lot of a grocery store. So, um, what would it take for WWE to stop going to Saudi Arabia? Well, uh, serious public backlash. Whatever, I, whatever I'm amount not of sure that would do it. Whatever amount of public backlash is worth more than fifty or sixty million dollars. Right. I mean, because I mean, you have to remember before the last event, there was pretty good evidence that the government had butchered and burnt the remains of a journalist. That was some pretty strong public outcry, and that didn't do it. I actually think that in order to stop this, there would need to be an incident in which talent or someone employed by the WWE was actually injured. I honestly think that's the only way that that would happen. What if there was an event that caused Fox and or the USA Network to put pressure on? Yeah, I mean, maybe. But but it's got to get that. It's got to get that intense. And like I'm saying, like that didn't even happen last time. So, yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure, Dexter, if that is your real name. Um, I'm not sure that uh, that anything gets them out of there. They've they've signed their deal with this particular devil. So Mm. say Uh, hi to Stephanie. Yeah. And Bethany, although some of them are dead, I think. Right. I think they all died. Well, well. That's a shame. 
I don't remember. I remember very little of all of that. This uh, next email. <laughs> the last email comes from Jeremy, and it's called, You Wanna Know. I just saw DC's 60 to 90 minute until re- recording tweet calling for more questions. Maybe I managed to get one in on time. Your loyal listeners are always asking you guys questions, so I wonder. What one question do you guys wish you had the answer to and why? Who knows? Maybe one of us has the answer. Maybe me. Maybe Glenn. Danielle is well-read. Jay, well, he's Jay. Probably not Pav, but he would make something up and sell it hard. Eager, awaiting your queries, sent from my iPhone, sent from my iPhone. All right, I'm, I'm going to softball this first one. I want to know how your email message has two sent from my iPhones in it. Did you literally type one of those out and the other is the automatic signature? Did you add a duplicate sent from my iPhone from my iPhone to your signature? Or are you just replying to and or forwarding an old message that also had sent from my iPhone at the bottom and you deleted everything else except for the sent from my iPhone and then this new message added its own sent my iPhone. So now that's why you have two sent from my iPhones. Eh? I want to know. This is the things I think about when I see emails. Um, we've asked about cricket. So that's a question. You know, the problem is, is the what one question do you guys wish you had the answer to? We have a lot of questions. How is cricket played? What's going on with Jeremy's email? Um, as it relates to our last emailer, why? Yeah, just just okay. why? Uh-huh. Um, where is our independently wealthy financial backer? That's the one I want to know. Where I think he would have shown up by now. Where is, you know. Now, granted, I, I don't want blood money, but. Here's another know, one. Is, when is this going to end? That's where another is, good question. Where is our crown prince? Of Saudi Arabia. When are we going to get enough patrons so that we can get a P.O. box? I have these books that I was debating this week, and I'm like, I want to send these to besties autographed by us. A book not written by us, but autographed by us and sent to someone else. I have this title belt I bought at a tag sale, and I would like to send to someone. So, you know, I want to have mail. I want to open the packages that people send us. And you should mail someone that mixer that you never used. I wonder if I still have it. But yeah, like, you know, I have all of this stuff I want to do with a P.O. box. I want to know, um, you know, do I have to do a draft? I do. Like, we have to do the draft, but. You do. Do I have to? <laughs> yeah. Do I have to do the draft? Uh, I want to know when wrestling challenge is going to come on the WWE network, the the or all American wrestling that used to be hosted by Bobby Heenan and Gene Okerlund, like all of these old wrestling shows. Where are they? Why are they going to come on the network? I got lots of questions. So, uh, what what is my one question? I, I right now I want to know how cricket is played, and I want to know if anyone uh, out there has had spam. So. Does it taste uh, like bologna? Yeah, that's what I want I mean, to know. Do- probably doesn't because it's ham, but yeah. I also want to know your piece of positivity. 
Okay, well, my piece of positivity for this week is probably that I saw Godzilla in the theater. It was fun. It was giant. You know, that giant screen, those loudspeakers. There is still something to the movie going experience that I do still enjoy. I'd really like to go see John Wick 3 in the theater. Maybe maybe I'll do that this weekend if it's still around. I don't know. Um, there is something that I enjoy about it. It's just it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. I don't like being crowded in with a lot of people. And uh, those trays, man. We're, we're looking into that movie club thing, but it's only one movie a month. And I'm like, there are months where there are three movies that come out that I want to see. And then there are many months that go by that don't have a darn thing I'm interested in. Oh, well, those so, tickets roll over from month to month if you don't use them. Oh, well. So depending we'll on which movie summer. club you're talking about. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, let's see. My piece of positivity. I... The first group of students I taught in the school I am currently in um, are now about to graduate high school, which is kind of crazy. Um, And so one of them, I work with uh, her mom and she's putting together a, you know, an advice for, you know, college and life for her daughter and so I took it upon myself rather than offer any life for college advice for college, because besides go to class, I don't know how much I have. Um, I have decided to prepare for her uh, just some recipes. Just be like, I know you won't be in, you know, you're, you're going to be in the dorm life at first, but eventually you're going to want to know your way around the kitchen. And so I have been typing up. I've only done two or three, but I have been typing up essentially recipes and kind of cooking tips and it's quite enjoyable. I may uh, look into posting them on Patreon. So if you're interested in cooking tips from... Oh, we are, we are going to... If you send me whatever you've typed up, I will put together, like, in Adobe InDesign or, like, Publisher, <laughs> I will put together a, a mocked-up DDT DC's cookbook. Oh, and, man. And we will, we will distribute that to Patreons. We're, don't get Mrs. Manson would get in on that. Like we could do a DDT cookbook very easily. You could do you could have a grilling section. I think that would be dumb and fun. <laughs> <laughs> which which I don't know if there's ever been a better line to sum up what the last 178 episodes have been. Yeah. I think that would be dumb and fun. The DDT wrestling experience. Pretty much. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I hope you've had uh, a dumb and fun time listening to to our show. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think we're on to something here. So uh, we'll get that cooking. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you for joining us, uh, Doc Manson. Anything else you'd like to say, Jesus, before we head out into that good night? If you'd like to have your thoughts read on the air, you can do so by sending a message to podcast at ddtwrestling.com. If you'd like to listen to all of our other episodes, you can do so. But do, do so. You can do so by going to ddtpod.com or to your podcast repository of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. And finally, if you like what you've heard, 
And how could you? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash DDT Wrestling to send just a little bit of financial support to DC and Doc. It helps keep the lights on and the podcast train a chugging. He is Doc Manson at Doc Manson. I am DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. And until we meet again, my friends, uh, tell us how to play cricket. What is spam? And yet we might make a cookbook. Won't you be our bestie?